It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today on this mid-November Sunday here on the Jersey Shore? If you're listening live, thanks for joining us for our live program here, 7 to 9 a.m. Sunday mornings right here in 92.7 WOBM. Those of you who are listening to the podcast, uh, whatever day or time it is, thanks so much for joining us on today's edition of The Financial Physician. My name's Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, accountant, and your money doctor each and every Sunday. On our program here, we talk money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life. Now, I know lots of you want to know what my opinion is on the election. Uh, I have been getting your emails all week long. Um, uh, you're going to have to wait. I got a lot to say about the election. A lot. Uh, but how's that for a tease, Paul? We're going to tease that. We're going to wait later on in the program when we have a bigger audience. <laughs> I think. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it is, uh, we have a lot to talk about today on everything, you know, in the markets, inflation. There's, there's just so much to cover today. I even have a guest later in the second hour. We're going to talk about what's going on in the housing industry and mortgages and so forth. So, uh, lots to talk about. We are going to talk about the election. Um, and uh, the massive fraud that, that's being perpetrated right in our face. Uh, again, there's a little tease about what we're going to talk about uh, probably in the second hour. I don't know, maybe late in the first hour here. We'll see how the show unfolds. But let's start off talking about <clears throat> what happened this week uh, with inflation. Uh, the CPI was announced, uh, I believe it was Thursday, and uh, there was a surprise. Inflation year over year was only 7.7%, and the market was expecting 7.9%. So there was a two-tenths of 1% difference in the reported number versus what was expected. And the markets went crazy to the upside. Oh, my God, how great is this? Inflation's almost 8% year over year, but that's good. Because it was 8.2% in September. So that must mean that inflation is peaked. Uh, and therefore, we could buy stocks. And we could buy bonds again. Everything's good on Wall Street. Uh, and I'm shaking my head when I watch this. It's, it's just amazing. First of all, these numbers could be whatever government wants them to be. So two-tenths of 1% difference could be anything. And I don't know why it didn't go up, because gasoline prices went up big in October, uh, but it didn't seem to be reflected uh, in these inflation numbers. So uh, Wall Street had an orgasm over this. Uh, The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 1,200 points on Thursday after being down 600 points on Wednesday uh, and uh, had a wonderful week. We'll talk about, you know, in a moment, you know, what the markets did last week. But the markets felt that, hey, you know, regardless of what Jerome Powell said the week before uh, when he raised interest rates three quarters of 1% and said they are going to continue to do so. And I don't think this number is going to affect that in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, 
Jerome Powell has got to be really upset that the markets are rising when he's trying to get the markets down. I mean, that's the whole idea of raising interest rates. He wants to dampen the wealth effect. He wants people to be poor. Uh, if you don't have any money, you can't go out and bid up prices for things. So he's got to be really mad uh, that a 7.7% year-over-year increase in the CPI um, didn't cause the markets to go down, it caused them to go up uh, in a big way. Uh, also in the bond market, yields fell dramatically. As a matter of fact, I don't know if it's a historic drop or not, but it was a huge drop on Thursday. Uh, so all is well back on Wall Street, uh, uh, just because inflation was two-tenths of 1% less than the market expected. Now, if you look below the surfaces, uh, one of the areas that we're really seeing uh, significant inflation uh, is the service sector. Now, you have two different sectors of the economy. You have the goods sector, which is the cost of things you buy. Food, gasoline, energy, things like that. And then you have the services sector. You go to get a haircut, right? Things like that, you know, services that, are, that you go and purchase. That's going up dramatically. As a matter of fact, uh, services CPI is now the highest it's been since 1982. And it's going up faster than the goods CPI. So supposedly month over month, uh, goods costs um, fell but services rose and food costs went up. So uh, we're seeing a stubborn uh, increase in food, uh, which is uh, something most of us need. You know, we don't need new cars. We don't need used cars. But we do need food. And month over month, food prices actually went up. Uh, the rise in shelter CPI continued. What's that cost? The, the cost to buy a home. What does it cost to live in, in, in a house? Or what does it cost to rent a place? The shelter index uh, rose 0.8% in October, the largest monthly increase in that index since August 1990. The rent index rose 0.7% over the month. Uh, so, you know, you're seeing uh, increases in groceries and food which is going to continue because I don't care what the Fed does with interest rates. How does the interest rate, whether it's 4%, 4.5% on the federal funds rate, going to affect me going and trying to buy a steak or a can of tuna fish or a jar of mayonnaise? By the way, Paul, do you see what a jar of mayonnaise costs these days? Have you, do you do grocery shopping as your wife do? Oh, uh, We both do. Yeah. All right. I was in uh, my, my neighborhood Acme yesterday. It was $6 and change for a, an average size jar of Hellman's mayonnaise. I mean, I never recall it being that high. Same is true of ketchup and all kinds of other things that you see in the grocery store. I went in just to get a few items yesterday. I walked out. It was $160. And I you know, hold it all in, in, in the, 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 hand, the hand basket. I spent $160. Uh, how does that happen? Anyway, but inflation is good, so let's buy stocks and bonds. Everything's great. Um, so uh, uh, I, I just don't see how the market – now the market's oversold. We know that. I mean, this, the selling this year has been dramatic. We've had one of the worst years in market history, but it's coming back. I mean, you know, let's look at the markets for the week. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, 
after a big move up on Thursday, up 1,200 points, the biggest jump in three years. Uh, Friday, the market, I think it was up slightly or down slightly. It wasn't a big deal on Friday. But for the week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 4.15%, uh, 4.15%. Pretty big uh, weekly move. And for the year, the Dow now is only down 7.13%. At one point, just a month or two ago, the Dow was down 20%. So we're seeing a significant rebound here. And, 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 and it's possible that the Dow could regain that 7% loss and, and end the year maybe unchanged or slightly positive. There's a lot of positive seasonal things in the market that we're seeing. Now, you, there's something called the Santa Claus rally, where the markets tend to rally in December. Why that happens, I don't know. I can't explain it. Um, the S&P 500 had a better week than the Dow. It was up 5.9%, almost 6% for the week. I mean, you don't see movements like that in the S&P 500. I mean, that's a huge move to the upside. Uh, but still down 16.22% for the year, but out of bear market territory. A bear market is when you're down 20%. Well, for the year, we're down, only down 16 point, only only down 16.22%, uh, but that's out of bear market territory. The NASDAQ even had a better week. Now, the NASDAQ has been beat up this year. I mean, the tech stocks have been a disaster. Uh, the NASDAQ was up 8.1%. For the week, a, again, a huge move, but still down a, a devastating 27.62% for the year. So we had a great week in the stock market, and all of that was Thursday and Friday in response to the CPI coming in two-tenths of 1% better than the market was expected. So the theory here is, well, look, you know, inflation has peaked. Uh, the Fed now does not have to continue its uh, relentless increase in interest rates, although the Fed never said anything like that due to this small decline in inflation. Um, it's not even a decline in inflation. We're still up almost 8% year over year. But again, the increase in inflation is not 10%, although it actually is. It's higher than that. But um, So the market is kind of giddy about that. Now, what happened to interest rates in the bond market? There's been a relentless move up in interest rates this year. The 10-year Treasury bond was under 1% at the start of the year, uh, peaked about four and a quarter uh, last week. Uh, Thursday morning, prior to the CPI announcement, the 10-year Treasury bond was trading at 4.15% and closed the day at 382 a 35 basis point decline on Thursday, which is a huge drop in interest rates in the bond market. Huge drop. Uh, I don't know if that, we've ever had a day where interest rates dropped so dramatically, especially when the Fed didn't have a meeting lowering interest rates. Uh, so the bond market rose in price. Uh, yields went down dramatically uh, in the anticipation that maybe the worst is over as far as the Fed and interest rate increases. Right. I doubt that because the Fed has made it very, very clear uh, just last week um, that they are going to continue to raise interest rates uh, until inflation is down to 2 to 3%. Well, 7.7% isn't 2 to 3%. Uh, and we'll see if this, um, this bullish move uh, on Wall Street continues this week or not. I tend to think it's not. I think this is a bear market rally. Like We get these big rallies in bear markets, and I think sooner the market's going to realize that, wait, it's not all about interest rates, and it's not all about inflation. It's about corporate earnings. It's about the imploding housing market. 
It's about the coming rise in unemployment, as well as uh, supply shortages, rising inflation, and so forth. So I believe the market's going to come to its realization that things aren't so great. 30-year fixed-rate mortgage peaked this week at 7.32%. Now, I expect this to come down uh, next week. Uh, There's a little bit of a lag before the drop in the interest rate in the 10-year Treasury. Uh, So I expect this to come down to about 7% early this week. I mean, still dreadfully high compared to where we were. Um, But for the week, uh, uh, the 30-year fixed mortgage uh, went up 15 basis points. By the way, a basis point is a one-hundredth of 1%. So when I say 15 basis points, it's 15 one-hundredths of 1%. So almost, you know, one-fifth of a point. Uh, which, again, is, is destroying the housing market. And we'll talk about that in a second. Gold had a wonderful week for the first time in a long time. Gold was up $100 an ounce for the week uh, at 1771 Why? Because the dollar had crashed. It didn't crash, but the dollar had dropped. All related to the same thing. It's all about the CPI print. Uh, the the dollar, uh, uh, which has been very, very strong as the Fed has been raising interest rates, uh, and a lot of world capital has been flowing into the U.S. dollar, mainly because their currencies are worse, uh, but with the anticipation of higher interest rates, um, there was a big sell-off in the United States dollar. The high on the dollar a couple of weeks ago was 115 on the dollar index. Now, the dollar index is, compares the value of the dollar against the euro, the yen, uh, I think the Canadian dollar, um, and so forth. So th- these are the big currencies, the Western currencies. So if the dollar is going up, the dollar index, it just means that the other currencies are going down vis-a-vis the dollar. doesn't necessarily mean the dollar is great. It just means that it's, uh, it's the least dirty uh, shirt in the hamper, so to speak. So when this CPI print came out and all the market was giddy about maybe uh, inflation is starting to wane, which it's not, uh, investors sold off the dollar. So the dollar index dropped to 106.42, which is a 7.5% drop off its highs. Now, it dropped, the dollar dropped 3.5 points over two days. I mean, that's a huge decline in the currency. Now, the question is, does does it continue to decline? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but there's a big problem in the currency markets right now. Fiat currencies, currencies not backed by anything. Uh, people are starting to realize that, hey, you know, what's the purchasing power of something that's a piece of paper? And that's why we have the inflation. One of the reasons we have inflation, it's a monetary thing. You keep printing money. Well, the value of each unit of that currency goes down, right? Like anything else. So one of the things holding back gold in dollar terms has been the strength of the U.S. dollar. And a lot of people are saying to me, Lou, we got all this inflation. Shouldn't gold be soaring in inflation? Well, normally, yes, but the dollar's been so strong, and when the dollar's strong, it's negative for precious metals usually. Now, we've had record high prices of gold in the euro and in the British pound and the yen, you know, other foreign currencies because as a currency goes down, it takes more units of that currency to buy anything, including an ounce of gold or an ounce of silver. So as the the dollar dropped this week, we've seen a major move in gold and silver. We saw two days uh, last week, Thursday and Friday, uh, or Wednesday and Thursday, I don't know what the days were, where we had gold up uh, $50 an ounce. You don't see that very often in the gold market. 
And many people in the gold market, myself included, believe that precious metals prices are rigged on the futures market, which they are. Um, uh, but gold went up $100 an ounce. Silver went up about $3 an ounce, uh, maybe a little less uh, this week. Silver now is at twenty one seventy an ounce. But is it really? Uh, try to buy a one-ounce silver coin. You know what they're going for if you could find them right now? I just looked at it yesterday uh, on some of the websites that I follow. Most of them are out of stock because you can't buy silver. Right? But if you are able to buy a one-ounce American Eagle silver coin, they go for $40.65. Virtually double what the COMEX spot price of silver is. So you tell me, you know, when you ask anybody on financial markets, you know, what's the price of silver, they're going to quote the COMEX spot price of 2170 But you can't buy silver at 2170 If you could find it, you could buy it at 4065 So what is the price of silver, one should ask? <laughs> the price to get, to get a piece of paper that says you own silver or the price to actually get a coin that is made of silver? Uh, I'll let you decide which is what. <laughs> go, go, go and try to buy an ounce of silver, and you tell me what the price is. Gold right now. Uh, uh, the spot price is $1,771 an ounce. That's up $100 this week. But what does it cost actually to buy a one-ounce gold American Eagle coin? Well, I went on the websites in uh, 2010. That's what it costs to buy a one-ounce gold coin. So what's the price of gold? Is it 1771? Or is it 2010? In my world, it's 2010 because that's what it cost me to buy it. Think about it. If if they tell you that a price of a car is 25,000, but you go to a dealer and it costs 40,000 to buy the car, what's the price of the car? Well, this is what's going on in the metals market. It's the only futures market where the derivative drives the price of the underlying asset. Usually, the price of wheat uh, and the supply and demand factors in wheat determine what the futures price is on the exchange, but not with the metals. And that's the way they manipulate and they rig it. But we saw something very, very interesting this week. We saw a uh, a huge rise in gold and silver. And I think it's just the beginning. The problem is you really want to buy it. Good luck trying to find it. And number one, trying to purchase it at a level that you think it's trading at, which it's not. Gasoline still stubbornly high at three ninety seven a gallon. I saw when I was coming in on the parkway, it was four oh four. Um, now that the elections are over, uh, well, they're not over. They're still going on. <laughs> but, oh, my Lord. Uh uh, you're going to see the energy prices go up because now uh, the politically motivated sale of our strategic petroleum reserve is ending, uh, conveniently the week of the election. Uh, and now we're not going to have that supply coming into the market. Uh, OPEC has cut production, uh, and we're going to start seeing uh, rising energy prices again. Now, interesting uh, developments in the crypto market. Uh, the FTX exchange, the second largest exchange for cryptocurrencies, collapsed this week. It turns out to be a major fraud and Ponzi, Ponzi scheme where billions and billions of dollars have been lost. You know, I've been telling you for years that uh, these cryptocurrencies um, are worthless. I mean, they're just made up. I mean, there's hundreds of them. 
in this case, it was FTT, I think, was their, 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 their coin uh, that collapsed to nothing because it's worthless. It's a Ponzi scheme, these, these, these cryptocurrencies. And I don't want to get too deep in what happened with this, but you know, th- this 20-year-old kid, 20-something-year-old kid became a multi-billionaire setting up this exchange. Uh, as it turns out, uh, they took $10 billion off of the exchange, to, you know, stole people's money, basically, to put into another company they ran, uh, and uh, the whole thing collapsed. How would you like to have $100,000 or more in a cryptocurrency that's gone up from like 50 cents to now 30 bucks, and now on paper maybe you're a millionaire and whatnot, and you go online – and you can't get it out. Everything's frozen. Everything's locked out. All the rumors are going around that the exchange is going bankrupt, that there was fraud. How would you feel about that? It's just like the bank, you know, going to the bank and the bank is closed. And there was a run on that bank. I mean, when people started hearing the rumors that they were in trouble, everybody started pulling their money out. And then they had to freeze it. And if you didn't get your money out, you are done. Now, of course, the biggest cryptocurrency, which is Bitcoin, uh, which has a whole different dynamic uh, than some of these other um, lower coins, uh, broke 16,000 on Thursday when the news came out of this. It was down to 15,9. Now, Bitcoin, which people still espouse today, I don't know why, you know, was 70,000 a year ago, almost 70,000. It closed, uh, last I looked, it was 16,900, bounced a little bit on Friday. Uh, that's the biggest loss of any asset besides the FTT coin that went to zero, but, but of any asset class, the worst performing in the year, in a year of bad returns on almost everything, from housing to stocks to bonds, uh, the worst asset you could own was cryptocurrencies um, so far in 2022. Bitcoin down 60-something percent. Would I be comfortable? Would I sleep at night if I had a lot of money in cryptocurrencies of any kind? No, I would not. Now, of course, in response to this, um, right after this happened, um, uh, the... Um, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen came out and stated that um, that they're going to start looking at regulating these cryptocurrencies right on cue. Right on cue, right? Because they're going to come out with their Federal Reserve digital currency and they don't need any competition for it. So this, op- this, this, this situation here was a perfect opportunity to say, hey, wait a second, we got to start regulating this. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen called for crypto to be regulated after Sam Bankman Freed, that's the 30 year old Democratic darling, by the way, he was a big, he spent $40 million. Uh, and I read an article this morning uh, that this may be a money laundering scheme to kick back billions of dollars to Democrats from Ukraine. The money that we be, we've allocated almost a hundred billion dollars that's gone into Ukraine. Nobody knows where that money's money's gone, but apparently some of that money 
found its way into this FTX exchange and the FTT uh, crypto coin. And the head of that company, this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, was the second largest donor to the Democratic Party. Hmm. I wonder if we're going to hear more about that or is that going to be buried like everything else that's uh, uh, anti-Democrat. Very, very interesting. Uh, here's, here's, here's the headline of the article. Breaking exclusive. I think this is a gateway pundit. Tens of billions of U.S. dollars were transferred to Ukraine, and then using FTX cryptocurrency, the funds were laundered back to Democrats in the United States. Um, and the article goes on to say, did you ever wonder where all those billions of dollars were going in Ukraine? Did you ever wonder why anyone was trusting the elites in the U.S. politics like the Bidens with billions of funds going into Ukraine? Today, it turns out that these were excellent questions. We have information that tens of billions of dollars going to Ukraine were actually laundered back to the U.S. to corrupt Democrats and elites using FTX cryptocurrency. Now the money is gone and FTX is bankrupt. Now, I have not verified this in any way, shape or form. Okay, I'm just telling you what's out there. Um, earlier today, we reported that FTX cryptocurrency appeared to be used in a Ponzi scheme involving the Democrats and Ukraine. The far left Washington Post reported on March 3rd that Ukraine was dealing in cryptocurrencies. And they go on to say, the word is now out the Democrats sent billions of dollars to Ukraine and then laundered this money back to Democratic pockets, Democrat pockets and funds in the U.S. Now the company is bankrupt. And the funds are nowhere to be found. And, uh, you know, Wall Street's calling this like a Lehman moment uh, for the cryptocurrency space. And uh, and it sure is. I mean, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that are, that are likely lost. And, you know, we've been waiting for a financial disaster to happen in the crystal cryptocurrency. I've been telling you for, for years here that it's going to happen. That these things are worth nothing. And this certainly qualifies a financial disaster. And uh, I couldn't imagine making millions on cryptocurrencies only to be wiped out overnight. Uh, and there were some big hitters involved with this cryptocurrencies. BlackRock had a lot. The Ontario Pension Fund, Sequoia Partners, SoftBank, I mean, Van Eck Mutual Funds. Uh, and all this money's gone. Tom Brady, did you hear about this? Tom Brady and Giselle, they had a lot of their fortune in this cryptocurrency. We'll see if Tom Brady throws five interceptions today because he's so upset. Uh, uh, but yeah, the rumors are that they've lost millions and millions of dollars. So this is a major catastrophe for crypto investors. And uh, I don't think they're the only one. We're going to hear more and more about this. Unbelievable. Uh, I still don't understand cryptocurrencies. Now, last week, um, one of our listeners called in and asked if, you know, they didn't want to get on the air, but asked if I could just explain what Federal Reserve digital currency is and what does it mean. And I said that, you know, central banks, if they... they, um, go ahead with this, are going to destroy the existing cryptocurrencies because they want total control. 
they want to see everything you're doing. And one of the advantages of Bitcoin and, and, and other blockchain currencies, digital currencies, is anonymity, that you could do transactions without anybody knowing. So what are central bank digital currencies? Digital tokens, as, as you will. They're similar to cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, but they're issued by a central bank. And the value of those coins are pegged to the value of the country's fiat currency. So what's fiat currency? Fiat currency is the currency of a country that has no backing by gold, silver, commodities, or anything else. So it's only backed by confidence in what the value of that unit is. Now, here in the United States, we're seeing the purchasing power of the unit of currency of the U.S. dollar declining every day. And that's what inflation is, right? Inflation is not what you think it is or what you're told it is. Inflation is not rising prices. Inflation is an increase in the money supply that causes rising prices. It's inflation of the money supply, the growth of money that's being created. And the result of that is prices going higher. Now, over the last four or five years, you know, ever since the, the COVID started, I mean, the printing of money of U.S. dollars and other Western currencies is, if you looked at a graph of it, it goes straight up like a hockey stick. And now we're seeing the, the inevitable result of that, which is price inflation. So all across the world, there's a lot of talk about these, these, these digital currencies. They want us to get away from using paper dollars or paper currency. So by creating a digital form of this and making currency, paper currency illegal, now you're in the system. You can't get out of the system. And not only that, it's no longer private. The Federal Reserve and whatever government agencies that the Federal Reserve allows will be able to see how you spend your money. And this is where the problem lies. What if you're spending money on things that the government doesn't want you to spend it on? Now, another thing here is is, is digital currency is going to be programmable. Remember that word. You're going to hear that word again in the future. Programmable. Meaning that the government could affect how you spend your money, if you spend your money, and if you have any money. And that's where the danger lies. And this is where we're going. And it may only be a year or so away before it starts getting implemented. And uh, now the government says, well, now, you know, we'll stop a lot of illegal activities, financing of terrorists, uh, money laundering, that kind of thing. And I guess that's true. But what else? Your privacy now is gone. It's gone now anyway, but for the most part, it's gone. I mean, right now, use your ATM. People say, well, what's the difference? I have an ATM card. That's digital, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it's not the government seeing every transaction you make. A bank can, and I guess the government could subpoena the bank for your records, but you know it doesn't go into a central database what people are really worried about, what if you're spending your money 
on things that the government disagrees with. How about donating money to Republican candidates? They could shut off your ability to do that. What if they think you're drinking too much? Well, you can't go to the liquor store every day and buy a six-pack of beer. That's not good for your health. And you know what? That's a cost to society because, you know, it's causing everybody's health insurance premiums to go up. It's, it's hurting Medicare because people are getting cirrhosis of the liver or other uh, alcohol-related issues or drunk driving. Or how about you get a drunk driving arrest and now your digital card won't work in any liquor store for six months. Right? See where this goes here? See see how this this could morph into total control. So this has profound privacy implications. So if you go into a store or anything, you buy something with cash, you go into a coin dealer and buy silver coins or gold coins, nobody knows about it. But if there's no such thing as cash, everything you buy is known. Every way you spend your money out of your digital wallet. And, and, and this is pretty scary stuff. And this is also a tax collector's dream come true. Uh, if they see every transaction, uh, every transaction could be taxed by the government. And you don't pay the tax, they just take the tax. They think the IRS thinks you owe the money, bam, right out of your checking account. There it is. We're not going to wait for you to pay us and charge you penalties. And we're going to take it. And, and, and where's the due process here? Are they just going to take it? And now you have to fight to get it back. Now, typically in the history of man, uh, you agree on a transaction with another individual. So this is a private transaction. There's two parties involved. And only the two parties involved know each other's identity. You buy something from each other or you barter, whatever, and then you move on. Nobody knows about it. But in the digital world, everybody knows about it. Well, not everybody, but the government knows about it. And in um, China, uh, they've advanced this along way further than anybody else is. They have the digital yuan, which is called the e-yuan. And this is a pretty scary version of the central bank digital currencies that we're talking about. But it can go there very, very quickly. And it's designed uh, as much to control the population as to make people's lives easier. And so they try to say, well, it's easier for now. You don't have to carry cash. You know, everything can be done with the card. But now they control you in China. If they don't like where you surf on the Internet, they see everything you do. They could just shut down your bank account. If you're behaving in a way that uh, the, 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 the government doesn't want you to, they control that. They give you now digital scores based on uh, what websites you track. Say I go to a website. It's not mainstream. I go to a lot of websites that aren't mainstream to get my news. And that website happens to be a conservative website. Now you're going to get a certain score because of your, your, your surfing history 
You must be a MAGA Republican. You must be a threat to democracy. We're going to fine you. Now, we're seeing, uh, we started, we're starting to see that start to come into our lives now. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, PayPal. It's part of their terms of service. If they feel that you're putting out misinformation, they're going to fine you $2,500 and just take it out of your account. Now, uh, when this was first being talked about, Jerome Powell went on to say that that digital currencies won't be anonymous. This is his own words. So it would not be anonymous. It would not be an anonymous bearer instrument. We would be looking to balance privacy protection with identity verification, which is which has to be done, of course, in today's traditional banking system. All right. So there you go. Right out of the Federal Reserve Chairman's mouth. It won't be anonymous. The question now, is it going to be programmable? Where the government and government agencies can target their support packages to the right people. So say they want to give money to who they consider to be unfortunate people. That, by the way, voted Democrat. Um, They could just put money in your account. There you go. For your good behavior, here's $1,000. And I'm going to take $1,000 from this uh, anti-democratic domestic terrorist uh, uh, that goes to school board meetings and is against uh, gender issues that are being taught to their four-year-old. I mean, you want to talk about Orwellian? <laughs> this, is, this is the definition of it. Uh so be careful when you hear. You're not going to hear any of the negative stuff on mainstream media about this or from the government. It's all going to be how great this is. Uh, but I don't want the government tracking uh, or controlling my consumer spending. How about if they want to decide they want negative interest rates? They put the interest rate to minus 5%, and now they're taking one half of 1% out of your savings every year. How about that? Uh, the government has a deficit this year, so we're going to hit everybody up for 500 bucks. Whoop, there it is. It's gone. Uh, we feel too many people are donating to uh, Donald Trump's MAGA campaign. Uh, and since he's an enemy of the state, we consider, uh, we're going to shut down your bank account. Well, we're going to take that money and give it to the Democratic Party just to balance out your extremist behavior. So digital currencies is the path to becoming a surveillance state. And, and that's where we're going. And they're going to say, well, you know, only the Federal Reserve will have access to that information. Sure, that will. The government will have access to every transaction, and and they'll know about it. And again, just look at China and how they're doing it. But there's so many different dangers here uh, to your privacy, uh, to the way you consume, to the way your political behavior is. Uh, once they control your money, you're in trouble. And what if they consider your behavior so egregious that they just, one switch, all your money's gone. It's gone into a fund. 
for the greater good. Unbelievable. Uh, let's take a break. Seven three. What do you think about all this stuff? Seven three two two three seven nine six two six is the call number. My name's Luce Katigner, and you're listening to the Financial Physician. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Brick Township has plenty to offer in November and December to celebrate this holiday season. Go grab all your Thanksgiving goodies at the Farmer's Market on Saturday, November 19th from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at Windward Beach Park. The annual tree lighting will take place on Wednesday, November 30th at 5.30 p.m. at Town Hall, located at 401 Chambers Bridge Road. Also join them for the menorah lighting on Monday, December 19th at 5.30 p.m. For more info, go to Brick Township Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless. Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. And I've been running um, a new commercial on Atlantic Sceptic and Sewer, uh, Septic and Sewer Service uh, here on Jersey Shore. Uh, not Atlantic, uh, Jersey Shore. <laughs> That's his competition. Jersey Shore uh, Septic and uh, Sewer, which is my son's business, by the way. Matt's Katigna. That's his business. I've been meaning to say that uh, since we've been running it and I between breaks, I run out to the bathroom and I prepare for the next segment, and I've been forgetting to tell you that. But uh, uh, Jersey Shore Septic is uh, my son Matt's company. Uh, it's about three years old, and I'm really proud of him. He's built a really nice business, and uh, he uh, I've heard nothing but very positive feedback from people who've used him. So uh, if 
you need septic services um, or sewer services, he's the guy to call. He's a great guy. Everybody's going to love him. And uh, uh, that's Jersey Shore Septic and uh, Sewer. And that's the commercial we run here. Now, if you miss any of our program, which, you know, we're on early here. If you listen live here at the Jersey Shore, we're up, you know, at 7 a.m. Sunday morning, many of you. Go out Sunday, Saturday night. You don't get up early. Uh, it's no problem. You, you're not going to miss the show if you go to thefinancialphysician.com where I have the podcast of the show. Paul puts it up right after the show's over. So um, you get up at 8 and you're listening to the program and you say, geez, I missed the first hour. Just go right to thefinancialphysician.com and listen to the first hour. Or during the week you can listen to it or you can listen to you know, segments uh, over the course of the week, however you want to listen to it, I appreciate it. And so many, hundreds and hundreds of you uh, listen to the podcast, and I appreciate that. Um, many of you listen all around the country, uh, even, uh, I think, unless I looked, there was 10, 10 foreign countries were downloading the show last week. Uh, and uh, and uh, I do appreciate it. Share it. Put it on your social media. Put it on the websites that you think could benefit by what we talk about here because, we talk about things and we bring you information on this program that you're not going to hear on the news or pretty much any other radio program. Uh, uh, that's the financialphysician.com. Uh, love your emails. Uh, you uh, Obviously, we're touching nerves here with a lot of you. I uh, get a lot of emails uh, during the week. Appreciate that. That's Lou at the com. Uh, many people are sending me emails, questions about their portfolio, their 401k, what they should do. Uh, they have tax questions. Uh, um, they have comments on the program or things they want me to cover. Uh, love your emails. Just send them to Lou at the com. I promise to answer each and every email. If for some reason two days go by and I don't, send it again. Um, I get so much. Just all of us get so much junk. It's so easy for things to fall through the cracks uh, or, or to go into the junk file or whatever. But uh, do your best to try to send it to me because if I didn't respond, it's not because I'm purposely not responding to you unless you're nasty, uh, which is few and far between, by the way. Uh, I don't get a lot of negative emails. But um, as long as you're not nasty and um, I'm more than happy to answer each and every uh, email. And a lot of what I talk about on this show comes to me from you guys. You know, you guys say, look, cover this for me. I don't really understand it. And I'm happy to bring it to you. That's the financial physician, uh, dot com. Now, uh, we're talking the economy. We were talking markets in the beginning of the show and how the CPI came in a little less than expected and causing uh, a melt up in the stock and bond markets. The, the, the treasury market, the yields have dropped precipitously. The U.S. dollar dropped. Precious metals rose tremendously. I mean, we've seen movements in markets this past week that are multi-sigma events. I mean, that are just, you know, not normal. And we'll see if it continues, but I don't expect it to uh, because the underlying issues in the economy have not gone away. Inflation is not over. Uh, because we uh, are two-tenths of 1% lower than expected at 7.7 versus 7.9. For the life of me, I still don't understand how markets reacted so positively to it. But let's look at a couple of sectors of the economy right now. How about used car prices? Used car prices have collapsed the most since the Lehman meltdown in 2008. You remember we were talking about how how used car prices were skyrocketing? It wasn't long ago, right? Just a few months ago. And last year, you know, you couldn't get a used car. You know, it was so expensive. New cars you couldn't get because there was a chip shortage, and if you could get them, they were so expensive, people were going down to use cars. 
But the Federal Reserve raising interest rates has really slammed the brakes on the once booming used car market. Um, the Mannheim used vehicle value index for October declined to 200. It dropped 10.6% in the month. I mean, that's huge. And that's the worst decline since December 2008 when the global economy was melting down. So why are used car prices dropping rapidly? Because people can't afford them, number one. But number two, the average uh, interest rate on a used car loan right now is 10.33%. Wow. That's like credit card prices. Now, new car loans, the interest rate on new car loans is 6.27% on average. Pretty high, too. And also, we're starting to see um, so many people now are underwater on their vehicle loans. Because you know what you know what these dealers were doing? They were taking you out of your old car, which was underwater, and rolling that loss into the new loan. So you're immediately underwater as soon as you board a used car. And now many people just can't pay their car payments, and they're walking away or getting repossessed. And now you have all these distressed cars coming on the market especially on the, on, the, on, the, on the wholesale market because you're having all these repossessions now being dumped on the market. Delinquencies um, are skyrocketing and repossessions are skyrocketing in the used car market. And by the way, a lot of this debt has been securitized into bonds that are in pension plans and insurance, just like the the subprime mortgage situation back in 2008. All these subprime car loans, they're not held by banks. They're securitized. Thousands of these loans are put together and they they form a bond and they're sold to insurance company, pension plans, hedge funds that are looking to get yield. What's going to happen to that? Look what's happened to Carvana. Carvana is that used car dealer where they, they bring the car to you. You know, you, you look at it online and so forth. And uh, uh, their stock crashed recently 24% in one day after the company missed revenue and missed profits um, as demand for used cars just plummeted in the last couple of months. Last month, uh, the largest U.S. chain of car dealerships, AutoNation, um, the largest company, uh, the CEO uh, warned that the used car market shows signs of imploding. Uh, so that's what's going on in uh, the used car market. Let's talk about the housing market. We're going to spend more time on it in the second hour because I have a guest coming on uh, that's a mortgage expert, and he's going to tell us what he's seeing uh, in that market. Uh, but obviously, you know, Housing prices are, are starting to go down. People can't afford homes. I said the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 7.33%. Uh, I mean, compared to 3.5% or 3% a year ago. Uh, you know, we did the math for you last week, how much more it costs per month for the same home with interest rates rising. Uh, another article out, U.S. consumers will be spending much less this holiday season. Because many of them are already tapped out. Thanks to deteriorating economic conditions, Americans plan to buy a lot less stuff this holiday season. In fact, one survey that just was released uh, has discovered approximately half the country plans to buy fewer things this year. 
Roughly half of shoppers will buy fewer things due to higher prices, and more than one-third said they will rely on coupons to cut down on the cost. Uh, but normally, when cash is tight for Americans, they, they pull out their credit cards during the holiday season because, you know, it's the holiday season. You know, I, my kids can't, you know, not have the newest and best. So they pull out their credit cards and they say, you know what, I'll deal with it next year. But unfortunately now, millions and millions of Americans are already tapped out. Uh, we've seen that credit card balances have just hit a record high in the last couple of months as people are using their credit cards to pay for groceries, to pay for gasoline. And many of them have, have hit their credit limits. And banks aren't expanding credit limits very easily now. They see the writing on the wall. TransUnion. Their quarterly credit uh, report, uh, bank card balances rose 19% during the third quarter from a year ago, reaching $866 billion. This was driven heavily by growth in Generation Z and millennial borrowers who balanced increased 72% and 32% respectively. So Generation Z, I guess that's 20-year-olds or... Is that my, I don't know, Paul, what is Generation? Generation X, I think, was 20, 30-something years old. Or, I don't know. I've lost track. I've lo- <laughs> they got so many different names. <laughs> All right, so Generation Z, whoever you are, your credit card balances went up 72% in a quarter. That's, that's unbelievable. But Americans uh, have been relying heavily on their credit cards just to survive from month to month in this harsh economic environment that we're living in right now. Oh, but the stock market went up huge this week. Everything's great. So now that the balances are so high, Americans either can't charge anymore because they've hit the credit limit, or they don't, they're reluctant to do it because they're not going to go out and spend thousands of dollars on Christmas when they need that credit line uh, for groceries and, and gasoline. Now, women usually do a great deal of the holiday shopping. I my wife's already done. I mean, she's one of those, you know, oh, my God, I got to get my Christmas shopping done. I go, Sue, it's not even November 1st yet. You know, if she's not done by Halloween, you know, she starts getting crazy. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, meanwhile, if I'm doing any shopping, it's Christmas Eve usually. <laughs> uh, but that's men. But, um, you know, rising prices is taking a toll on everybody. But a new study shows women are feeling the pain more than men. And it's the primary, um, and it is the primary money woe keeping ladies up at night. So Fidelity Investments uh, did a survey and found that inflation is currently the top financial concern for U.S. women, with upwards of seventy percent citing it as their main worry. So uh, obviously, when you're feeling this, you're not going to spend as much. How about this? How about this statistic? This blew me away. 37% of all small business owners in the entire country were not able to pay their rent last month. 37% of small businesses couldn't pay their rent last month. Wow. That's a disastrous number. If it's 10%, it's a disastrous number. I mean, that's unbelievable. I find it hard to believe. That almost four in ten businesses did not pay their rent last month. I, I find that hard to believe. But if it's true, 
or anywhere near it is true, boy, we're in trouble. And the Federal Reserve should not be aggressively hiking interest rates uh, as we're entering this, this economic meltdown, which is really what we're doing. And uh, as we're going to talk about later in the program, the housing industry is paying the price for this. It's one of the, one of the industries that are paying the price. Loan demand for mortgage loans crashes to depression levels. Depression levels. Uh, now, I would expect, you know, that mortgage loans obviously would decline, you know, with rising interest rates in the, uh, an economy that, that's imploding. Uh, but we're certainly seeing this in mortgages where we're at depression levels. And, of course, refinances are down like 90%. I mean, who's going to refinance their, 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 their mortgage here? At such a high rate. One business is booming, though. Paul, what business do you think is booming right now? I'll give you a hint. Uh, vaccine. Yeah, pharmaceuticals? No, the funeral business. The funeral business. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's true. Uh, there's a rise in mortality across the country and across the world. And nobody knows why. Service Corporation International, SCI, is the largest for-profit funeral operator in North America. They had its quarterly earnings uh, call last week, and they had another great quarter. You'll be pleased to hear (laughs) they did really well. Uh, So far in 2022, the company has made almost $500 million in profits. Its stock is up over 15% this year. Uh, Actually, it's up 15% since its last uh, earnings report. Uh, so in a market where the, everybody's been doing horrible, uh, death, is, death has been your best investment. Now, SCI's management has been pretty open with investors. Um, and they say that, you know, the growth in, in funeral home business, it, it's pretty steady. You know, I mean, it's, it's always been one to two percentage up or down. I mean, it's pretty predictable in a, a country of $330 million, uh, $300 million. 30 million people, how many people are going to die as a percent? I mean, this is a pretty predictable thing. Uh, But not now. It used to be predictable. Thomas L. Ryan, SCI's chairman and chief executive, um, said Wednesday morning, if you go back in this industry, and particularly with SCI, year to year you would see the numbers of deaths. Probably in one year you may be down 1% or 2%. In the next year you're up 1% or 2%, which you could be predict with pretty good accuracy over the year. Then 2020 comes along. COVID game changer, right? We're having to do at one point at time, we're having to do at one point of time, 20% more funerals, which is unheard of in a year versus let's say a year or two before. Now, SCI expected that once COVID passed, its business would go back to normal, but that didn't happen. Um, he thought it'd go back to 2019 levels. Let's face it, though, you know, people aren't dying as COVID as much anymore. That would be a reasonable thing to expect, but that's not what happened. In the third quarter of this year, they did 15% more business than they did in the third quarter of 2019. 15%. Uh, why is that? There's no COVID. COVID is gone, but people keep dying. Why? He also pointed out we're seeing more cancer deaths uh, than we've seen in the past. 
Well, some are saying that these vaccines are increasing cancer, increasing all kinds of heart attacks and so forth. And we'll talk if we have time in the second hour about some of these numbers that are coming out. How about Lincoln Financial Life Insurance Company? Their shares collapsed 30% after an unexpected $2.6 billion third quarter loss. They're a life insurance company and an annuity company. Many people have Lincoln Financial annuities. Hmm. This company is in trouble right now. Maybe we'll talk more about that after the break. It's top of the hour. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome to Hour 2 of The Financial Physician. Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner and your money doctor. Every Sunday morning, live here on the Jersey Shore and 92.7 WOBM, or anytime on the podcast uh, at the Financial physician.com just go to the financial physician.com hit the um uh, the radio tab up top and listen to the latest program we have past programs there as well but uh uh it's up at uh eight oh uh nine oh five we go to nine right yeah it's nine oh five we move around so much here i don't know what what hours that we do the show anymore uh but uh he'll have it on uh, 905 uh appreciate you sharing it uh linking it and on your social media and whatnot uh so we had a a really uh informative first hour uh so you don't want to miss that so if you're just tuning in now uh go to the financialphysician.com after the show and listen to uh the segment that you missed now before we get into the election which i know you're all chomping at the bit to find out what I think about this. Um, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. But I just want to continue. I just want to finish what I was talking about before the break uh, about uh, this mortality increase that we're seeing uh, uh, in life insurance companies, at, at funeral homes, and so forth. Now, nobody's saying the obvious here. Uh, Service uh, Corp's uh, CEO did not even try to go there and say that maybe it has something to do with vaccinations. Why would he do that? Uh, I mean, he doesn't want to bring that on himself. Business is good. So he's not going to say that. And nobody's saying the obvious. How many times are we hearing about people dying suddenly? Uh, that's that's a new cause of death. Died suddenly. Uh what caused the death? Well, died suddenly. Uh, that's the cause of death. The sudden death is the cause of sudden death. Uh, but we're starting to see life insurers, uh, you know, laying out a lot of money. Uh, October 31st, uh, Lincoln Financial. Um, 
Lincoln National Corp is the the parent company. They're a life insurance company. They're an annuity company. Many people I see come to my office. They have a Lincoln uh, Financial uh, annuity. Well, I'd be a little nervous uh, if I owned uh, annuities these days because who uh, uh, holds the assets in annuities? It's insurance companies, life insurance companies, right? Uh, so Lincoln National, by the way, when they announced this unexpected loss, I don't know why it's so unexpected. Uh, the stock in October 31st was about $54 a share. It closed on Friday at $33.30. That stock has crashed. I would be a little nervous if I was, uh, an annuity holder at Lincoln Financial right now. And they're not the only life insurance company that's experiencing this. Obviously, they're not. Uh, if they're experiencing it, other ones are as well. Uh, so, uh, but nobody will say the 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 V word, and it's not virus. Uh, uh, it's just amazing how the psychop works. You know, you can't say certain things in America anymore. Uh, you just can't say it. Your life will be destroyed. You'll be censored. Uh, but I'll say it. Could it be the vaccines are causing sudden death for a lot of people? Now, I've been meaning to get to this for weeks because there is so much to talk about. Uh, I have a pile here that's probably an inch and a half wide of different articles and things. And I don't want to dive too deep into it. Um, but uh, I'm just going to read headlines for the most part. You take, you make of it as you will. Huge COVID vaccine injury payments explode in Australia, more than 80 times higher than last year. So Australia now is uh, paying people who are having adverse reactions to uh, um, that. Uh, Marxist Medical Board stripped top doctor Peter McCullers medical credentials for speaking the truth about COVID vaccine. So here's a respected doctor. uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, I've been following him. He is a, a an expert. He's been around forever. He's, he's, he's a top cardiologist in the country. Uh, he's the vice chief of internal medicine at Baylor University Medical Center and a professor at Texas A&M University. He's the editor-in-chief of journals on cardiovascular medicine. Uh, so obviously this guy knows what, what he's talking about. And he was and he is an advocate of early COVID-19 treatment that included hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. You can't say that either. And he's been right about everything throughout the entire pandemic. And he was one of the first doctors who sounded the alarm on the COVID-19 vaccines uh, and how they will make the dangerous Wuhan spike protein. So... uh, He goes on to say, uh, it's alarming right now. We have over 4,400 deaths and 14,000 hospitalizations, and that's probably the tip of the iceberg. He said that pregnant women, women of childbearing years, children or healthy people under 50 should not get the COVID jab. All right, so now he's persona non grata. And now uh, uh, he's been terminated as editor-in-chief of of, uh, the journal on cardiovascular medicine. Terminated for telling the truth. And now they want to take away his medical credentials uh, for speaking the truth. 
Uh, again, I just want to go headlines now here because we don't have a whole lot of time. Will and Gray star Leslie Jordan dead at 67, suffering a medical emergency and crashing his BMW into a building. Florida Surgeon General. COVID MRN, uh, mRNA vaccine found to cause 84% increase in death for men ages 18 to 39. The new normal. Gloucester, England, installs new defibrillators around the city. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Uh, doctor urges Canadian Medical Association to investigate the unusual death of 80 young doctors since the vaccine rollout. 800% above expected number. Nothing wrong there. Doctors are baffled after 18-year-old athlete suffers cardiac arrest during tennis practice. Young people are just dying these days. Red Hot Chili Peppers' lead vocalist talks about a fan who died suddenly at his concert. 13-year-old football player returns home after a heart attack. What I've seen in the past two years is unprecedented. Renowned OBGYN tells Dr. Drew that he has seen an off-the-charts rise in miscarriages and fetal abnormalities since the vaccine was introduced. Disney Park charges unvaccinated guests more, <laughs> offers discounts to vaccinated guests. <laughs> this, is, this is in Tokyo. If you're unvaccinated, you've you got to pay more to get in. Oh, God. Uh, this is really, really, really something. Um, I think this is Peter McCullough. No, this is, uh, this is a different doctor. Uh, he's talking about athletes. Uh, listen to this. I think, depending on how many people they get to take it, um, yeah, I think the number is just a numbers game. I think as you look around the world, we're getting down to a number of somewhere between 1 in 3,000, 1 in 6,000. If we allow those kids to stay active and play, I think there's a lot of myocarditis that is under the radar. A recent study on elite athletes out of the Big Ten showed that when they looked at the the cardiac MRI of the elite athletes, almost 50% had, or around 50% had um, myocarditis that couldn't be, wasn't known by symptoms, um, but was seen on cardiac MRI. So you're saying 50% of young athletes have myocarditis symptoms. Nothing to see there. Um, Stillbirths are skyrocketing in the post-COVID vaccination era. Leaked hospital email reveals. An employee at a hospital in Fresno, California, leaked an email to the media showing that stillbirth rates have been spiking ever since the introduction of Wuhan coronavirus vaccines, quote-unquote vaccines. In August of this year, there were 22 stillbirths at the facility, and the trend is only expected to continue, it went on to state. A 28-fold increase in stillbirths. Well, what's going on there? So uh, so now, last week, I meant to explain this. The Atlantic magazine comes out with a professor from, um, uh, I think, Brown University that says we should have amnesty for pandemic authoritarians. All right, now now that this all this stuff is coming out and they're saying that uh, we should uh, not punish uh, people for, you know, they were kind of in the dark when this was happening and they acted in the best faith that they could given the information that they had. That's a total lie. 
they knew. Pfizer knew, the CDC knew, Dr. Fauci knew that the initial trials of this mRNA vaccine, 1,200 people died. I mean, they would have stopped this in a minute if there was 25 deaths. And that's the way they've done vaccines in the past. But no, uh, they want uh, us just to be friends and let bygones be bygones. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, people are dying of the vaccine. Yeah, we should have gave them ivermectin. Yeah, you know, we shouldn't have had those lockdowns. But uh, we need to have amnesty for these poor people. No way, I say. Uh, UK man sent to prison for six months for serving snacks at a club during the lockdown. Six months in jail for serving minced meat snacks. Meanwhile, at 10 Downing Street, Boris Yeltsin was having parties <laughs> like crazy. Headline, former NFL and Clemson University athlete Adrian Dingle dies suddenly at 45. So we can go on and on and on about this. Uh, you, get, you, get, you get the drift here. All right. Uh, uh, this vaccine, obviously, uh, it's, as more and more comes out. And that's another thing why uh, we're talking about the elections in a second is that why they're pulling out all the stops to try to, to swing the House uh, and steal that election. They just stole the Senate uh, uh, because they don't want these investigations uh, to go forward, obviously. Uh, so uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about what happened this week in the election. Yes, we are back in the USSR here in the United States. Uh, And I don't say that jokingly. I mean, we are now in a place that is Venezuela, China, Soviet Union. We're under one party rule right now. And what happened this week, uh, I told you last week that, you know, the Republicans are going to easily win the House. Uh, probably it's going to be more difficult in the Senate because that's where they're going to go all out to try to keep the Senate. Uh, and it's only a few elections that they really have to, to, to turn, not 200 elections. Well, I was wrong. Well, I did say that if the Republicans don't win the House by a lot, you know by default that there's fraud. But I never expected it to be so in your face as this election was. We don't have election day anymore, people. The elections are not called on election day unless you're a state like Florida. Now, all polling prior to the election indicated a red tsunami, a red wave. Republicans may win as many as seven seats in the House and maybe six Senate seats. Poll after poll after poll indicated that. And realize these polls are flawed to begin with. All right. But it was obvious. Uh, people were saying 75% of Americans say the country's going down the wrong path. The president of the United States is the most unpopular president probably in history. Uh, inflation is at a 40-year high. The middle class is disappearing. The borders are open. We're a laughingstock internationally. We had Afghanistan last year. Uh, we can go on and on, right? Now, you would think that the party in power would be deposed in a big way. You know, historically, every president in history 
facing his first midterm elections, really have a tough day and, and automatically lose 20 to 30 House seats, automatically, and maybe f- uh, average more uh, than four Senate seats. So we have a, a terribly unpopular president who's obviously brain dead with dementia, uh, can't put three coherent sentences together, yet Biden defied history. It was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle. The, 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 the Democrats won the Senate. Oh, did you hear that overnight? Oh, yeah. The, the, in in uh, Nevada, the Republican who was winning by two points with 89% of the vote in on election night lost last night. Votes kept coming in and in and in, and they're all Democrat, of course. Finally, last night, the Democrat pulls ahead. NBC announced it as a Democratic win. The Senate's over. Done. Don't even talk about it. Uh, the Georgia election doesn't even mean anything now because the Senate uh, is done. Yesterday, they announced that uh, Kelly won in Arizona. 600,000 votes still haven't been counted yet in Arizona. But as soon as Kelly went ahead, they call it. Done. Senate's over. Doesn't matter. Now they're going after the House. Now, on election night, the House should have been called for Republicans. They didn't call it. Again, any close race, they don't call anymore. There was a day when you knew the outcome of an election. The night of the election, right? But whenever you get these close things, they stop counting. Oh, well, we're going to need more days to count. More days to manufacture votes. And, you know, every time that there's not a winner declared on election night, 80 percent of the time, the Democrat wins, regardless if they were ahead or behind. What does that tell you? So if you believe the Democrats made a miracle happen without cheating, without rigging, without stealing, I got a bridge to sell you. So, I mean, there was poll after poll after poll indicating a red wave. Polls even showed that women moved 32 points from September to October in favor of the Republicans. But at the end of the day, where are they supposed to believe they all move back to Biden and the Democrats? Now, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. This should bother you. I mean, I've been dismayed by this. Not dismayed that the Republicans are not going to win the Senate. I don't, look, there's another election in two years. I, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is, do we have, do we have the ability now to determine our own future, or are we under the grasp of a, a state party and a tyrannical uh, uh, leftist state that we live in? That's the scary part to me. Does our vote even matter? I mean, if they're able to take an election like this, which by all intents and purposes should have been, and in the past would have been, a landslide for Republicans in the worst economic conditions and the worst popularity for Democrats, with all this people upset about the racial issues, the gender issues, what's going on in our schools with the border. I mean, the exit polls that CNN ran showed people totally for the Republicans. And you're going to try to tell me they're losing every close race? I find that hard to believe. Blacks, Hispanics, white men, women, even younger people, all moved to the GOP massively. But they may not win the Senate or even the House. NBC is predicting now that the Republicans are going to win a House by maybe two votes, by, by, by two. I got up election morning, just like I did in 2020, you know, when 
it was obvious that the Republicans were going to win and Trump was going to win big time, only to wake up the next morning with all of it in doubt. Counting stopped. I mean, it's the same exact game plan. And the Republicans had 200 seats in the bag. Democrats had 189. And it was considered only a matter of time before the Republicans won. But no. It drags out. And the votes keep coming in. And the votes keep being found. And it's all Democratic until they get just ahead. And then they recall it for the Democrats. And this is going on. They're trying to steal. They stole the Senate already. Now they're trying to steal the House. And why is that so important? Because once the House is controlled by the Republicans, now the investigations start into the FBI, into Hunter Biden, into the Department of Homeland Security, possible impeachments, the January 6th fiasco. Uh, They finally could release all these uh, cameras in, in, in in, in in the Congress. Uh, they don't want, the Democrats can't have that happen and they're doing everything they can. There's four Republican seats in California. That's not going to be called for at least another week. I mean, these are congressional districts. These are not full states. You're talking about the size of a county. They can't count the votes. Are you kidding me? So we have an environment now where Americans can't afford gas or groceries or rent. The economy's falling, inflation's raging. People are scared of losing their jobs. We have, oh, I meant, forgot to mention crime, violent crime in cities all over the country. Mass shoplifting, homelessness everywhere. Many cities, the, the streets are covered with needles and, and poop. And P. Then we got failing schools where our kids uh, have been shut down. And now uh, it, it's not about teaching them math and, and English. It's about teaching them uh, that they may be girls if they're boys and that they're racist and so are their parents. But in this environment, they all voted for Biden and the Democrats. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, I just use common sense here. Let's not, you know, let's just, you know, unless you're a rabid partisan or you're part of it, you got to you got to scratch your head with all this stuff. And I'll give you two. I'll give you two things that prove. That this has been the biggest fraud in history. First, John Fetterman. Wins easily in Pennsylvania. Here's a guy who wears gym shorts and a hoodie, looks like a thug, has had a stroke, can't understand what people are saying, needs a, a computer that someone has to transcript it, had the worst debate in the history of political debates, and he won. That tells you all you need to know. The second thing I want to talk about is Florida. How does Florida prove that it was rigged? In Florida, it was a GOP landslide. It was a red tsunami. DeSantis and Rubio and everybody else in Florida that's a Republican won by far. And the same, uh, and the polls showed the same thing happening to the entire country. But guess what Florida has? Florida has strict voter ID laws, strict laws against voter fraud, severe prison terms for anybody caught 
trying to commit voter fraud. No mail-in ballot sent to every voter. No ballot drop boxes. No ballot harvesting. No ballots accepted after the election. No counting days until the desired result of the Democratic Party is attained. Isn't it funny? What a strange coincidence that in that state, with all those strict laws against cheating, that the Republican red tsunami actually happened as predicted. But everywhere else, where there are no strict laws against voter fraud, the red tsunami fizzled. There was a red tsunami across the country. It just hit a blue wall of voter fraud and criminal activity that's still going on today as they try to steal the House as well. Now, think about it. If you were a Democratic strategist, what would you want the outcome of this election to be? If you had a wet dream, which you knew probably wasn't going to happen, but what would your wet dream be? That you keep the Senate, number one. Okay, check, done. That you minimize the losses in the House. Now, of course, we wouldn't even think of keeping the House, given all the factors that I laid out for you, how... Every time you lose 20, 30 by default, let alone all the bad things happening. Uh, but boy, man, imagine if we could win the House. Boy, that would stop all those investigations and Nancy Pelosi could still be in charge there. And you know what would be even a bonus? If now we could blame Trump, why the Republicans lost and now destroy his brand and his ability to run. And maybe him and DeSantis could go at it. And tear themselves apart. Wouldn't that be great? And you know what? He'd be a bonus too. Joe Biden coming out of here looking great, and you know nobody hates him anymore. Isn't that what pretty much has happened? What a strange coincidence. So, what does Florida don't have that these other swing states have, where this improbable red tsunami did not happen? Well. Florida doesn't have Atlanta, Georgia. Florida doesn't have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia does not have Detroit, Michigan. Philadelphia does not have Phoenix, Arizona. Philadelphia does not have Las Vegas, Nevada. These are all Democrat-run criminal cities where voter fraud takes place and swings elections. And until this is dealt with, the fraud in these major Democratic cities, Republicans no longer will ever win a national election. And that should scare everybody, Democrat or Republican alike. Uh, because now democracy, you know, it's been the, the Democrats, right, who before the election, Biden including, uh, that this was about democracy, the future of democracy in America. Our democracy is at stake. Remember they kept saying that? Uh, Well, they're right. Democracy is at stake. Because when you steal elections, when you have an overwhelming majority of people who vote a certain way and it's nullified through voter fraud, you've lost your democracy. Talk about projection. Now, this shouldn't come as any surprise. Because Biden admitted to voter fraud. Do you remember this? Probably not because the media never played it. But I have it. Listen to this in his own words. Secondly, we're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this, 
We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Maybe you didn't hear that. Maybe you didn't hear that. Let's play that again. Uh, I think this is worth playing twice. Secondly, we're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. They're telling you right to your face what they're doing. Imagine if Donald Trump said that prior to the presidential election, how much airtime that would get. He told you right to your face what they're going to do. And they did it. This is the thing. You know, I was I was I was uh, listening to somebody prior to this election. They were saying, I'm hearing from my sources in the Democratic Party that they're going to steal this election and they're going to do it in a way that's so obvious and right in your face and say, what are you going to do about it? And you know what the answer is? Nothing. Because the Republicans have no spine. Where are the Republicans screaming and yelling about the where is this vote count on these congressional election? Where is it? In California, we got four races, Republicans ahead. Where is the goat? No votes are being counted. How is it in Florida? They have 22 million voters, 22 million people. We know on election night. In Arizona, they have 7 million people. We still don't know who's won the election, although they say Kelly won. But there's still 600,000 votes out. Carrie Lake is slightly behind Hobbs. Oh, by the way, in this governor election in uh, in Arizona, uh, uh, Carrie Lake, who's now a, a superstar in the Republican Party, win, stolen or not, I mean, she is. Uh, polls said she was going to win easily. Of course, now polls don't mean anything when you have fraud. She's running against uh, this Kathy Hobbs. Who is she? She's the Secretary of State. Who runs the elections in a state? The Secretary of State who's on the ballot for governor. I mean, talk about corruption. And all of a sudden, here we are almost a week later. Where are the votes? And they're all Democratic votes that come in. It's amazing how all of a sudden, you know, 98% of the vote in from the voters on election night, Republicans ahead. And then in the time after the election's over, the Democrat wins every time. How does that happen? You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, imagine you you get a, a, for your birthday, Mom and dad buys you a bicycle. And the first day you have it, this kid down the street steals it from you. And you sit there every day and you watch him ride your bike. And there's nothing you could do about it. That's exactly the way I feel. Uh, and I think a lot of Americans feel now. And your emails that you all send to me, what the hell's going on here? I mean, it's so obvious in your face. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. And they talk about this as uh, this is about um, the future of democracy. The soul of our nation is at stake. Remember that statement by by Biden, the soul. What's a soul? Your spiritual being, right? Well, listen to the Democrats' soul of the nation. Proposition 1 in California passed with 75% of the vote. 
Three quarters of California voters voted for Proposition 1. What is Proposition 1? It's the right to have an abortion up to the birthday of the baby. Your baby's due this morning. I decided to have an abortion. You go to the hospital. They will rip that baby apart from your womb and kill it. The soul of a nation. Uh, Gavin Newsom. This was his quote. We have governors that won their re-elections tonight in other states that are banning books, that are banning speech, that are banning abortion. And here we are in California moving in a completely different direction. And that's a deep point of pride. And Vermont and Michigan also approved resolutions. The soul of a nation. Uh, Killing uh, newborn babies or babies about to be born. Uh, I don't know what God would think about your soul. But anyway, we have another stolen election. I'm telling you, my guess, we'll see next week, if it's over by then, uh, if they're able to steal those last two seats uh, from the Republicans and control the House. If I had to bet right now, I'd say they're going to steal it because they don't care. Uh, It doesn't matter how obvious it is. They don't care. And that should scare all of us. Republican or Democrat, your vote doesn't count. I think millions of people are going to demoralize and never vote again. And, and that's just the shame of the whole thing. Uh, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Brick Township has plenty to offer in November and December to celebrate this holiday season. Go grab all your Thanksgiving goodies at the Farmer's Market on Saturday, November 19th from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at Windward Beach Park. The annual tree lighting will take place on Wednesday, November 30th at 5.30 p.m. at Town Hall, located at 401 Chambers Bridge Road. Also join them for the menorah lighting on Monday, December 19th at 5.30 p.m. For more info, go to Brick Township Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless market train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate for help with any of your real estate needs as well as any information on a career in real estate call my brother mark skatigna at coldwell banker flanagan realty his number is 732-657-6200 that's 732-657-6200 mark skatigna coldwell banker flanagan realty give him a call you'll be happy you did 
I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. Can't believe we're in the home stretch of the program. It's the fastest two hours in Financial Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's financial physician. Luz Katigna here, certified financial planner. You're a money doctor live each and every Sunday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. here, right here on WOBM 92.7 or anytime at the podcast. Now, if you're just joining us now or you missed part of the program, uh, you shouldn't miss a minute of The Financial Physician, and there's no excuse not to hear the entire show. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com where we have the um, the podcast of the show. It, it's available right after the show is over. I mean, within five, ten minutes, uh, you'll be able to go and listen to the show. So if you get up late, you're in church. You just found us on the parkway, zipping through stations, uh, uh, and you, you missed part of the program. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com, where hundreds and hundreds of you listen to the show on the podcast, uh, the number one financial show at Podomatic, and I appreciate that. appreciate you sharing it uh, and putting it on your social media or on websites that could help broaden our audience, and uh, the podcast downloads grow each and every week. And for those of you uh, overseas who listen to the program, I really do appreciate it. I get a kick out of the, we're, we're a big hit in Ukraine lately. A <laughs> hundred people a week are listening to the show in Ukraine. Uh, we have downloads in Australia, South Africa, Ghana, uh, Spain, Italy, uh, Canada, of course, is uh, our biggest foreign uh, download of the show. So share it. Appreciate that. That's thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails. You got a financial question, something I could help you with, something you want me to cover on a program. You just want to say hello. Uh, that's Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, now, I was talking in the first hour about... The financial markets, the economy, inflation, uh, and what's happening in the housing market. And the housing market is, is is one of those industries that are directly affected by interest rates. And the Federal Reserve, as you know, has raised interest rates aggressively this year. Uh, last week, uh, uh, before this inflation number came out and made everybody giddy that maybe the Fed may may, may pause their interest rate increases, which they won't, uh, uh you know, they, they indicated they're going to continue to raise rates. And as interest rates go up, so do interest rates on loans, whether they're car loans or in this case, we're going to talk about mortgages. Obviously, mortgages, I, I mentioned early on that mortgages are 7% or higher on average nationwide uh, compared to where they were just uh, in January of this year, a little over three, uh, which has had a big effect on the housing market. So joining me now uh, is an expert uh, on, on mortgages and, and, and obviously has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in in the mortgage market. His name is Len Herbert, and he's with Advisor Mor- Advisors Mortgage Group. Uh, he's a branch manager in Waretown, local guy. Len, thanks for joining us on the program. 
Good morning, Lou. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. Uh, good to have you on. I, I don't usually have guests, or very rarely, uh, usually only when I'm going out of town and I'm recording a show. But uh, you and I were talking, uh, you were listening to the program, and you came in and saw me, and we were talking about what you're seeing going on in the housing market. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to have you on. And I want somebody who actually lives it every day. Uh, I read articles about it, but you live it every day. Uh, from a 30,000 feet perspective, uh, what do you see happening with the real estate market in general, mortgages, uh, and, 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 and people's ability to afford homes, and what you see going forward as far as price levels of homes and, and so forth? You know, well, thank you again. So, so um, it's an interesting, my perspective, I guess, is interesting to, to see from a, from a, from a standpoint of supply and demand, um, I still think that there is uh, demand out there for homes. I think um, this week, or maybe it was last week, I think Redfin actually cited that 46 per, 46% of homes that were under contract were still in a multiple bid situation. So I still think that there's demand there. Um, however, affordability has certainly become an issue. I mean, when you go from 3% interest rate a year ago uh, to about maybe about 7%, like you were saying, right around there, certainly becomes uh, a, a huge factor for, for a lot of people who are thinking about buying houses. You know, I, I was mentioning the real numbers last week, uh, uh, a loan at uh, uh, 3.5%. Say a $500,000 home, you put down 20%, hundred grand. you are financing 400000 It was 1800 a month at 35 4%. Uh, at current levels, it's 2800 a month. I mean, $1,000 more. And some people are... Um, are saying that we may even go up to 10% before this is all said and done. Wow. And at that level, uh, it was $3,600, actually wow. double the payment. Wow. So, you know, you figure out, you know, an average family can only afford so much a month for housing. So obviously, as interest rates go up, they have to be able to afford less house. Isn't that correct? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And that has to affect housing prices, you would think. You would think. Absolutely. But you mentioned before that there's still good numbers, and, and you're local, uh, and, and they say real estate, real estate is absolutely local, local right? Absolutely. You know? So you, you're here on the Jersey Shore. You know, you deal a lot with, um, uh, I imagine, senior communities as well. And, I do. And we have different dynamics down here than maybe the entire country, but are you still seeing one area of interest to me? I live in a retirement community. Uh, many of my clients live in retirement communities. Uh, and, and those communities have their own dynamics in that uh, a lot of people live up in North Jersey and New York. They're selling their houses up there for a million dollars. They could afford to come down here and pay four or five hundred thousand uh, for retirement community. Also, you have estate sales. You know, people die and those houses are on the market all the time and, and you have that kind of turnover. So let's talk about what you're seeing here on the Jersey Shore in general as far as housing prices go and, and demand. Uh, and then maybe uh, senior communities in particular? I feel like, um, in general, just the non-55 plus communities, I feel like prices have stayed stable, surprisingly to me. I'm actually wondering when, uh, if and when they would fall, but I I do feel that they've been stable. Which is... um Which is not far off for most of the country. I mean, I I think I read recently that uh, last month, we saw a seven percent decline on national housing prices, uh, in certain certain uh, markets more than others. Certain markets more you know, than like others, like yeah. Nevada, like Las Vegas. You know, yes. they're having a hard time there. Uh, and, and a lot of these markets are ones that went up so high uh, to begin with that it's natural that they would correct with a rising interest rate environment. Yeah, San Fran, Seattle, San Diego. Those those 
had tremendous rises, mm. uh, and they also saw the biggest decline with Kay Schiller's uh, report last month. So, how would you advise? Um, all right, I'm thinking about say I'm thinking about buying a home right now, whether it's a first time home or I'm thinking about trading up. Would you advise me to wait until either prices come down and interest rates come back down, or would you advise me to to move ahead now uh, and then maybe consider refinancing later on or something like that? Uh, my, I would absolutely advise you, me, my brother, sister, any of my clients to move ahead now. Um, I do feel that now, it depends on how long you're going to be in the house too. So if you were going to buy a house today, um, are you going to sell it in three months? Because I don't know what's going to happen in three months, but in all likelihood, if you're going to be there for five, 10, 15 years, I think that you're, I think it's a, I think it's a fine time to buy. And I do think there'll be opportunities to refinance. Yeah. So, uh, um, and that's the thing. But I, I last week I had um, the history of mortgages, and the last time mortgages hit ten percent, they were average ten percent for twelve years. I know. I heard you say that this morning. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's uh, well, your show last week. Yeah, I was blown away by that, and I lived during that time. You know, I mean, I was I'm sixty two. So back in in the eighties, nineteen eighty, uh, I was twenty. Uh, not that I paid a lot of attention to the economy and mortgages and real estate or whatnot. Uh, the last thing I thought about was the economy when I was 20 years old. Uh, uh, I was in pre-med in college and, uh, I wasn't the least bit interested in economics or finance. Uh, but going back in history, I am a student of economic history. Uh, I went back and I saw that, uh, once we hit 10% mortgages, I think in 1979 or 1980, when last time we had that big inflation like we're experiencing now, uh, we saw uh, 12 straight years where the average rate was over 10%, and we had a couple of years where the average rate was between 12 and 13%, wow. which for us, you know, you know, probably in your entire career, you probably never saw a double-digit mortgage rate. I have not. Yeah. No, I started in 2001, and I think the rate was right around, probably right around 7%. Yeah, you're right. It was 7% yeah. in 2001, uh, and that was high compared to where we've experienced the last 10 years or so. So, you know, we have this kind of bias or, or, or uh, where we, we've only lived uh, the last decade through very low mortgage rates, which obviously fueled housing price appreciation and so forth. So, you know, where people are coming in saying, well, you know, I should go buy the house now. Forget that it's 7% mortgage. You know, you'll be able to refinance that. Uh, well, maybe not. And uh, some people may think that, well, if I'm going to refinance, I may wind up refinancing at a higher rates. Who knows? Well, you're right. You definitely have a point there. However, I think that um, from a from an investment standpoint, the value of the home will, will hold its ground. Uh, well, historically it has, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to have periods of price depreciation in housing. It's happened many times in the boom and bust cycle for real estate. Absolutely. You know, so uh, I also think the right product, Lou, uh, makes a big difference. You know, we're talking about 30-year fixed loans, but adjustable rate mortgages certainly have their place. Um, and you know, five years arms, seven year arms could be a really, really nice uh, product for people these days. Well, explain them. Ex- explain what an arm is. The different types of arms. Uh, they are coming back. Nobody even talked about an adjustable rate mortgage the last ten years because the fixed rate. You, why would you want an adjustable rate when you can lock in three percent, right? Exactly. Uh, I mean, or refinance to a three, four percent mortgage. Uh, uh, so you know, arms went you know extinct. But now we're starting to see a rise in the, in the amount of mortgage originations that are adjustable rate. Exactly right. So an ARM works as, uh, so the fixed period of an ARM, the first number that you, somebody would hear, let's say it's a, a three-year ARM or a five-year ARM or a seven-year ARM, 
that first number indicates how long that rate is fixed for. So a five-year arm would be fixed for the first five years, and it's amortized as if it were a 30-year fixed. So you could benefit from a little bit lower rate, a little bit lower of a payment, um, if that's the right product for you. And, um, and that would come out in a conversation I'd have with my client. Uh, but it is an option, for sure. And and so the whole idea would be, okay, I'm going to get a five-year arm right now. That gives me a five-year window for fixed-rate mortgage rates to come back to uh, reasonable interest where then I could refinance that arm into that 30-year fixed. Exactly. So it buys you time. Or maybe a 25-year fixed or a 20-year fixed or whatever's good for you at that time. At that time. Right. So, so, so you can't get into the house. Um, and, you know, in the past, I always advised people that, you know, stay away from the adjustable rate mortgages because nobody has a crystal ball. And, you know, at the end of that fixed term, whether it's three years, two years, five years, seven years, uh, you may have a big surprise on your hands where all of a sudden your mortgage payment is going to skyrocket. That could happen. Yeah. And that's the risk we always take when we, when we do the arm. But you have to be you have to be educated on that stuff. And that's what I would like to do with my clients. Yeah. So, well, you know, I know, I'm sure you won't want to hear this, but I don't think anybody should buy a house unless you could buy it for cash these days. <laughs> Mortgage guy, I don't want to hear that. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, people, you know, uh, look, Americans bought more house than they could afford. They've been doing it. Uh, for many years, in my book, I have a whole chapter on how to buy a house properly and not to set yourself back uh, financially for the rest of your life. And, and, and you know, I remember growing up uh, when I was a young man. Uh, I remember growing up. Uh, there were six kids in my family, uh, and uh, we lived in a three-bedroom Cape Cod wow. with one bathroom. Wow. Okay, and we were happy. You know, we didn't know any better. Uh, but nowadays, a family of four has a four-bedroom McMansion big built-in pool, finished basement, you know, the whole thing. And so my point simply is, is that maybe Americans just uh, lost their way and just now buy too much house and uh, uh, have too much in the way of residential payments as a percent of their income. Well, it's certainly, it's, it's an important conversation. You always want to talk about what's available to you, like how much can you afford, but that doesn't mean you should should actually go that high. You know what I mean? You want to, you want to, See what fits your budget and and uh, in with the rest of your plans, your savings plan for down the road and that kind of thing. How about the first time home buyer? Are you seeing a lot of those still coming into the market looking for their first first home? I do. And are, are they able to make it work? I mean, are, are you know as interest rates go up, obviously uh, the amount of money they can qualify for you know goes down. Uh, and we like you said before, we still haven't seen the real estate prices go down. We've seen the affordability plummet. Yes. Due to the higher rates, but is that pricing out the first time home buyer? Um, I, I would have to think that some of them, yes. Mm. You know, depending upon what their career, you know, what, what direction their careers are. But yeah, I would have to think that there's some of them who are sitting on the sidelines waiting for rates to come back down or for, or for prices to or, come or down. Or for prices come yeah. down. And they say that, um, and, and you're probably, you know, will we'll agree to this that if the first time home buyer pulls back, that prevents the people from trading up from their first home to their second home, and and it it kind of flows all the way up the that's system, right. you know. Absolutely, and, and that's why interest rates. That's why the housing market I think is so susceptible to interest rates. Uh, I think one of the uh, givens uh, in financial markets in general is that rising interest rates uh, means falling housing prices. If not initially, we, like you say, maybe you're not seeing it now because of uh, the inventory and so forth, whatnot. Uh, that uh, ultimately, uh, every time we've seen significantly higher mortgage rates, we've seen significant decrease in, in housing. And my big concern is that uh, as housing prices go down, many people bought homes uh, with very little down payment. 
that we're going to see a lot of people underwater. And just like 2008, uh, we may see the rise in foreclosures, uh, people walking away from their homes. And due to the securitization of uh, mortgages, uh, maybe subprime mortgages again, uh, that we may see a financial crisis as a result of a declining housing market. Do you think that's possible? Um, well, I'll tell you. Let me see. I, I know I brought some information on that, too. So uh, where was that? And by the way, we're talking with Len Herbert. He's with Advisors Mortgage Group. Uh, he's the branch manager in Waretown. Uh, and uh, you can look him up. Uh, we'll have his, he'll have him give his contact information a couple minutes before we leave. Uh, I, uh, give me one second. I have, uh, have it here somewhere. Oh, okay. So uh, CoreLogic, which is a company you're probably familiar with, uh, they have this Loan Performance Insights. And it was for August, showing that loans uh, 30 days or more past due actually decreased from 3% to 2.8%. Uh, loans seriously delinquent uh, or 90 days plus decreased from 1.3% to 1.2%. And loans in foreclosure remained at 0.3%, which is near multi-decade lows. Now, that was from August, um, so I don't know what happened over the last couple months. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have a lot of equity in their homes based on – the events of the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, that remains to be so, seen So what you're saying is that because of the price appreciation, many people are not underwater. Uh, because, That's right. Because that. of that. That makes a lot of yeah. sense, unless you bought recently. That's right. You know, a lot of people, as you know, uh, uh, in the last year or two, uh, were overbidding the asking price. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that in my whole life. It was crazy. Where people are bidding... Uh, I mean, I know somebody who bid $50,000 over a $360,000 house. Wow. Just to get it because it was 28 bidders in it. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore today. No. 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 So it was like that. Well, that's the thing about this. It, it, there's always a lag uh, from interest rates rising to start seeing, uh, you, you see the prices start to come down, the asking prices, you don't have that overbid anymore uh, and so forth. Anyway, we're reaching uh, the end of our time here. Tell, I mean, you originate mortgages. So anybody looking for a mortgage, you're the kind of guy who will figure out the best product for them, how to do it, finance, and take all the things. Absolutely. Uh, tell us how people get in touch with you. Do you have a website? Do you have an email, phone uh, number? Yeah, best best way to get in touch with me, Lou, is is directly through, through my cell phone number, which I'll give to everybody right now. It's a 732-684-5771. Again, that's 732 684 Five seven seven one. I can also be reached by email. Um, my email address is lherbert at advisorsmortgage.com. So again, lherbert at advisorsmortgage.com. Or you can go to www.lenherbert.com. You can find me there as well. Wow, you got your own website. I do. <laughs> I do. You got your own billboard in Times Square yet? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody out there, if you're looking for, uh, you're thinking about buying a home, uh, getting a mortgage, uh, uh, Len's a guy to, to talk to. Uh, I'm very confident in him. Uh, uh, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. And he's based in Waretown. All right, there's Thank our music. So Thanks for joining us. Do Thank appreciate you so much. It. Uh, always a fast two hours here on The Financial Physician. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure next week we uh, will probably have the house results for you. Uh, don't hold your breath on that one either. Boy, we live in interesting times. If you missed any of the program, definitely go to thefinancialphysician.com where I have the podcast of this show. Uh, uh, you definitely want to hear the whole program. Love your emails. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. I answer each and every email. Uh, you want to come in for a financial consultation, 732-905-8100 is my phone number. Remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a great week. See you next week.